for me, I, I always try to find from the guests inspirational thing or just for them to share the struggles that they went through. Because I always want to, part of the podcast to be a learning experience for those who are aspiring to be, you know, where we are to and, and, and that sort of thing. So I think that to me, that's always important. You know, how could we just make most of the podcasts just a teaching moment or just a learning experience, you know? So it's not just entertainment and just, or not just saying, hey, this was nice, this was cool. They must listen to you afterwards and say, you know what? I go and do this thing, yes? I go in and do it. For me, the podcast, we should be changing minds. Definitely. Exactly. Inspiring. So. Podcast World, Cabin Studio. Welcome to another episode of The Value, the language of business for those of you seeking to build and invest in companies that are scalable and highly valuable. I am your host, Kevin Value. <laughs> I am your, co- <laughs> I am your host, Kevin Value, <laughs> founder and managing director of Kevin Value Consulting. And uh, today I am joined by co-host Jason Valley, who has been who's so happened to become like a recurring co-host on this show. Jason, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. Just yeah, came good. back from my five mile run before the podcast to make sure I'm all ready yeah. and I'm up. Uh, so you're running five miles and you're shaving clean. What's going happening? You, oh, you, yeah. you switch it up, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, switch it up. <laughs> All right, and of course, you know, Jason was our featured guest on episode 88. Jason is an entrepreneur who focuses on the intersection of technology and business transformation, business development. Today we are speaking about online car rentals, and if that, I hope that's a fair, a fair term to use for it. Our guest today is Sherry Williams, Jamaican national living in the United States, who found a gap in the car rental market in the Caribbean, Jamaica especially, and is deciding to really make a $1 billion US market opportunity out of that gap. Sherry, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin and Jason. I look forward to having the conversation today with you guys. So. Let me know what you want to find out, and I will just do everything. <laughs> everything, the whole thing. Just, just get ready, get yourself a drink, relax, because we, we're going to talk about your entire life today. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't know it's a one billion dollar opportunity. That, that, no, that's the goal. That's the goal. She's she's billion. But the, but the funny thing is, right, the market size in the US right now is already forty two billion, oh, right, wow. and it's expected to grow by just over two and a half percent over the next five years. So. That's that's in the US. So if you bring if you look at the region, I mean it might be a smaller than that right now. But you know, if you really grow the awareness and then you look at, at the appetite of of um the diaspora and tourists who want to travel to the Caribbean to do business or for leisure or what have you. They want the independence when they're there, right? Exactly. And they don't necessarily want to rely on on the existing providers where you go and stand up and wait three hours any so. But Sherry will tell us that story. So Sherry, if I was to look at a short film that captured, I guess, the highlights of your life up until this point that got you that got you in this seat right here to talk about your business. What would I be looking at? Oh gosh, a very long film. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica. That's where most of my schooling took place. So I went to school um, from primary to high school, finished high school in Jamaica. And then I migrated immediately after high school to New Jersey. So while in New Jersey, I started college, right? So I went to Montclair State University. So I started college in Montclair um, and then finished up Montclair with a bachelor's in accounting and then proceeded to get my master's in finance. In between getting my bachelor's and master's, I had two children. You had how many? <laughs> two, two at, that, okay. at that time. But obviously, you know, still went on to get my, my master's in finance. And then um, after that, I started working at Prudential. So Prudential is an insurance company, a very sizable insurance company downtown in the city that I worked in, downtown in the city I lived in. in so Newark. in Newark, yeah. Mm-hmm. So started at Prudential um, as a junior accountant and then worked my way up. During that time frame of working in corporate, I actually started my own company. So as my background is in accounting and I loved tax, I started wow. at- <laughs> <laughs> that was like wow. <laughs> that is the one thing I hate. Very go on. Go I ahead. started um I started my tax firm back in 2009. The current name is Firm 1040. So I was doing that while working full-time. So you know, you know how us Caribbean people have that like a side hustle mentality (laughs) right so that was kind of like my side hustle something I loved I enjoyed I want to say a couple years down the road I had a third child (laughs) child back in 2010 Mm -hmm. um so at that point in time I was fully working two jobs so I had three kids at that time and at the same time I started studying for my CPA so the very same year that I had my third child I actually sat for the CPA exam Wow. Yes, I was want to say six days from my due date when I sat for the first exam. You were nervous your water might break or something? I was nervous. I think the instructor was more nervous <laughs> than I was. Yes. <laughs> and that was actually, that's considered the hardest CPA exam far. So it's a financial one. So I took that six days before and I passed on my first try. And then while I was out on maternity leave, I studied for the other three parts. <laughs> Wow. I I passed two on the first try. And then I think my fourth one, I probably was too tired. <laughs> so I failed that one, um, which was audit. And then I passed that one on my second try, which is all within that same year. Okay. So I got my CPA license in officially in 2011, which was a big boost for my company as well as my professional career. So that was good. So then I continued working two jobs <laughs> with three kids. And in 2018, I welcomed a fourth child. So <laughs> Kevin is like, what? <laughs> of course. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, four more than me. Well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so now at this point, that was 2018. So now four kids working my corporate position and still now fully, fully entrenched into my company because that has been growing right over the years so the goal was to leave my corporate position and do this full-time so I made a bet to myself I said you know what 2020 is going to be my last year in corporate 
I can't do it anymore. It's either or either. I'm losing sleep. I'm tired. So I made that bet. So in 2020, I actually left corporate, which was good timing. And that's going to lead into VCLAN when that mm-hmm. started and all that stuff. So I ended up leaving corporate. So in between 2018 and 2020, that's when the whole concept of vehicle came about, right? Which you already know, it's out of my own frustration of trying to find... Well, we a- know, we know, we don't know if the podcast will know. But <laughs> before, before you jump into that, I just want to say that you and I have something in common because you know what? You know, it was my last day in corporate before, before jumping into my valuation business full-time and all my other entrepreneurial pursuits. My last day in corporate was February 29th, 2020. Wow, and mine yeah. was February 19, 2020. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, then, so then a mo- then so for for you a month later and for me two weeks after that, boom, everybody else is home working. And the difference is they 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 they're still collecting their salaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel all the time, but just a little off in them because yeah, you could have I might have done that a little bit differently had I had <laughs> If I had to drop on China and what was going on, I would have probably said, all right, no problem. It's coming. All right, I'll hold on. But yes, so, so yes, please get, get get into the um the story of all right. So how how vehicle started up, right? So you're an accountant, you love tax for some reason, you're running your business for all of these years, and you have four kids, but you're not busy enough. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So between between 2018 and 2020 is when um, the whole concept of Vika came around. For all of my entire life, I have a passion of helping people of kids and I love helping the locals. Right. So whenever I would travel home, I'd always rent cars from them to make sure that I'm supporting the local economy. Right. So I always rented cars from locals. However, in 2019, I could not find someone to rent a car from. <laughs> And so I went to the airport, which I never do, to rent a car. And it was my worst nightmare. Um, I was traveling with my kids and I had to spend three hours at the airport in the night waiting for a car. Right. And so that's when it kind of clicked for me is I needed a better way to rent a car. I liked from locals when I want to, right, on demand. And so that's how the concept of vehicle came about. I was super excited. You know, I thought I was so brilliant. I'm like, yes, I've not (laughs) seen anyone do this before anywhere. You know, I was like, yes, man. Oh, yes, I'm such a brilliant person to come up with this idea. (laughs) But then I started doing research, right? And then I was like, okay, so there's somebody doing it already in America. There's Turo. There's (laughs) There's a whole bunch of companies kind of doing similar, um, a similar concept. But obviously that didn't deter me. There wasn't really anyone doing it in the Caribbean space. So I was like, all right, maybe we'll be the first. So I did extensive research. So at this time now, I was on another maternity leave. And I took the time to really research like all the Caribbean islands. So I actually like pulled down their tourism reports and I studied them and I put them in an Excel file and I know who is coming and where they're coming from. Which, so I, I have a whole slew of market information that I researched before I said, you know what, this is a gore, you know, let's see what, what can happen here. So I did that first. And then 
I spoke to my brother about it and he introduced me to someone by the name of Justine Henzo. She is one of the very well known in Jamaica. So I, I pitched the idea to her and she was like, oh my gosh, it's such a good idea. So she put me onto my insurance broker who then put me onto the actual insurance company that I would initially work with at first, right? So everything was kind of like feeling like it was coming together and, you know, I had an MVP platform. So a very basic platform, nothing that I spent too much money on, very basic platform that can do the car renting uh, transaction for me. And we said, okay, great. We're going to put this out to the market in February of 2020. <laughs> so February of 2020 came around. <laughs> You're laughing. You already know where I'm going with this. Yeah. And nobody's traveling. No tourists. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> February of 2020 came around. We did the official launch. And you can still find it online. If you search um, our initial name was Rent Your Ride. So Rent Your Ride. So if you search Rent Your Ride 2020, February 2027 is when we did um, the official launch. That okay. was two weeks before the pandemic. <laughs> so as you can imagine, we were pretty excited when February 2027 came about. You know, it was like full excitement and we did a Facebook Live and everything was just full of excitement. And then the news about covid came about and everyone's like okay we have to lock down the place and everywhere shut down and I was just like what is going on right this is fully a tourism business right that's the industry that we're in and I'm like this is not good oh my gosh I was devastated I was confused I was every emotion was (laughs) was going through my body at that time right I said this is something I really believe in it's something that can work And let's just see how the market responds even during COVID, right? Let's just see how the market responds to the concept and having a platform that they can actually list their car on and vice versa, travelers coming down would be able to easily rent a car. So we put it out there and we were surprised. The feedback was really good. People even started to give us feedback on the platform itself, like, you know, saying, oh, maybe you should do this this way or what about that? So it was it was really good. We did Copperwell Facebook Live and we did like Instagram. So it was really good, positive feedback. We had some signups. We had some transactions on the platform as well. Okay. So at that point in time, we knew that, the concept would work, can work, and people are interested, which is what I really wanted to get out of it, even if nothing else was going on, right? Because eventually COVID is going to die down and things would pick back up. The biggest thing that we found out, though, is that the insurance arrangement that we had wasn't what people wanted. Initially, we started out with people having to switch their current provider and pay for a full year of insurance mm-hmm. with the insurance provider. So nobody wanted to do that. And so I think that kind of hindered us in terms of growth and having people come on board, even after COVID started to like die down a little bit, you found that people just are not interested in doing that. So we said, all right, fine. Let's circle back on the insurance component because we know that this is something that people want to do. So let's see what appetite is out there um, from the insurance sector to see if any other players in the market would be interested in coming on board with us and building with us. 
So unfortunately, that's still where we're at right now is working out that arrangement. Um, I would say it's definitely been a struggle negotiating. I, I don't know if anybody have ever worked with insurance companies or just companies in general in Jamaica. Things move very slow. In the Caribbean. <laughs> just Jamaica. <laughs> I was talking yeah. to insurance companies, will they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things move very slow and it has to go through the change and, you know, the different divisions and the different sign offs and approvals that have to take place. And it's, you know, it's not just the operational aspect, but then you have the premium side of it, you have the legal side of it. So it's, it's, it's a whole gamut of things that need to take place. So that's still where we're at. I would say the appetite is still there for the insurance company. So they're still very excited and interested. It's just kind of maneuvering around the bureaucracy and, you know, what needs to take place in order to have this finalized. So that's where we're at right now. And I'll talk a little bit more about how the platform works and onboarding and all of that stuff. Yeah. One question I have, you mentioned that you in launching into the MVP. Why did you go that route? Just do an MVP? What is MVP? What did you do and as compared to what you would have liked to do in doing the MVP? Yeah, sure. So MVP just stands for minimum viable product, right? So as a startup company, you're not looking to waste money or spend money on something that might not work. So you create a minimum viable product that you take to the market to basically gauge to see if this is something that would be interested um, for them. And so that's what we did because I have four kids. Mm. I, can't, I can't be spending money like I'm crazy. So the MVP model was the way to go to really really see if um, individuals were interested in this concept before we actually put more dollars around building up something that's um, more suitable. So adding more features, more bells and whistles. Exactly. Yeah, just to prove the initial core concept. But what I think, you know, you you kind of skip past, but I really want to upload is the fact that you, your last day at work was February 19th. The MVP Mm -hmm. was launched February 27th. Oh, did you were you able to get? Well, I mean, maybe you were working on the MVP from ever since, right? But yes. but when you look at that timeline, when I wrote down those two notes, I was like, wow! Like I wish I could leave my work, my uh, my job one day next week. All right, here's the MVP of what I'm trying to do. Oh no, 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 no! So remember, <laughs> I started. I remember I started the research back in 2019. Exactly. Yeah. So at that point in time, I was already working on the MVP. So while I was working at my corporate position. I was already working on the MVP. So I put in a lot of hours. I mean, like crazy hours, crazy yeah, hours getting that done. I like that short film. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about that because you're already busy, right? I want you to talk to me about that first, that flight to Jamaica, landing in Jamaica that really made you decide that you're going to do this, right? Because I think in, in this vein, there are two types of people. People... One one group of people, the people who complain about the problem. So, oh God, it's take takes too long. Oh God, just so you see you fish. And oh God, it's so backward. Next group of people, like, okay, how do I build something to fix this? You know, maybe there's a if all these people complaining, maybe they'll be willing to pay for the solution. Yeah. So, as busy as you were, walk us through not only impetus but the methodology that you use to make sure that you were out there and you still, you know, you kept your sanity and all these things. So, how did you how did you get that done? Well, thank goodness I have a a supportive family. Um, I can't complain where that's concerned. My husband is like, he supports me in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything, even if you think it's crazy, he supports me. 
So I have a good support system. My sister is also very supportive. She is my chief marketing officer. So she handles all the branding and stuff like that. So I say, I would say having a good supportive system is good. That it was enabled me to have the time that I needed to know, do the research, network with people, fly down to Jamaica if I need to, right? So I would say that supportive system was, I think, one of the best things I could ever, ever ask for. It was super helpful. But in terms of um, otherwise from that, I would say myself, in general, I am a go-getter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a go-getter. I am someone that says, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. There's no ifs, there's no buts. I figure out how to get it done. I'm also a planner. So I'm, I plan a lot. So I write everything down. I plan everything and I always make sure that I execute. So I don't know if it's that mindset, but it definitely helps a lot. And, you know, having my business, right? So I have a small business and I've been running my small business and I started from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. My business. So I didn't go out and buy like an H&R Block or Jackson Hewitt and I have everything laid out for me. Um, everything was built from scratch. So I started out with about six clients, mm-hmm. right? In my basement <laughs> in New Jersey. And now I have over 700 clients and my business is doing well. So I think just having that experience of building something from scratch and taking it from this level to that level also helps. Everything just comes together. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes you don't even know how to explain it, but it's like all the pieces and all the skill sets and the experience just culminates together and you just, you just make yeah. it happen. Just make it happen. Yeah, I definitely think that prior business experience lends a lot. And I, I mean, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. But first, I just want to highlight something that you just described, right? You said you're a planner, but also you're a go-getter. You're also executor. A lot of people are either or, right? And look at our Caribbean godfather, our um, billionaire, Michael Leachin. He always speaks about this framework called SEA, Strategy, Execution, and advocacy, right? So, of course, the strategy is the planning. But, I mean, if you're planning and you're not going to execute, faith without work is dead, right? So, you, you have to execute. But then you have to be an advocate for what it is you're executing. Right? And you're definitely that, you know, digging deep into what a problem is, letting people know that, hey, there's there could be a better way. And also, based on where you're situated, you also have that access to the diasporic market who love, you know, I know you guys love to, to come to the Caribbean. Um, from time to time. Well, I know you're always in the Caribbean. You're the, yeah, no, you're the, we, yeah. We, we getting into that. I'm always there. Getting, getting into that. So I think we're ready to talk about the, the value proposition of your business, right? So we already know what is the problem you're solving. Um, I want to walk us through how your platform works. Now, when you speak about proof of concept, I know you mentioned that Turo is already existing in the market. But I think Turo in itself is a proof of concept, at least in the, at least in the US, because you look at their last year's annual revenue. Last year revenue, they made $747 million in revenue, right? right? So, I mean, that shows that, you know, there are people paying for these things, you know, despite the Ubers and everything that, that's still in existence. So how does or how would vehicle, the vehicle, how would that work 
in um our market what was the what was the step-by-step you user experience yeah and I'll, I'll just mention something to you as well so in the u.s right so we know the u.s is full of car regular traditional car rental companies and i think Turo had to sell the concept quite a bit right because america and the developed countries aren't necessarily keen to like the peer-to-peer car renting right okay i think the caribbean is different we've been doing it forever it's okay. not new it's not new for us and and so i think that in of itself just lets you know that okay <clears throat> This can work. It's not new. I don't have to sell the idea of peer-to-peer renting, so to say. Right? right? What I'm selling is the efficiency, the safety aspect, the affordability of the platform, right? So those are the things that we're selling. So in a nutshell, we're not selling the concept, so to say, it's already happening. Not selling that. So the way vehicle works is similar to Airbnb, right? So if you've ever used Airbnb, it's similar to that, but for cars. So if you're a car owner and you're looking to make some additional money on your vehicle, you would come on our platform, you would list your vehicle on the platform so that when travelers are coming down to the islands, they don't need to text friends and family anymore asking if they know of anyone that's renting. They just simply jump on the app, find that nice red BMW that they always wanted to rent, and they just rent it easy as one, two, three. And that's what we're selling, right? So that's the way it's going to work. Um, in terms of how the platform itself works, first, first and foremost, every single member has to be verified. So we have to verify your, your license as well as face recognition. So we have to make sure you are who you say you are. That's the first thing, because we know how it is sometimes. There's scammers. There's these things in the Caribbean that we have to be careful of. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Then after that, if you wish to list your vehicle, then you'll go through the listing process. The listing process entails uploading you know, your information, so your fitness, your registration, insurance, and all that stuff for us to review, putting in all the basic information about your car, your make and model, what does it take, gas, diesel, all those specific details about your vehicle. You'll be able to put um, a nice little header, so, you know, red BMW, whatever you want to put, put a nice description so we can read it to see what it's about. You'll be able to set your own pricing. So we don't control the pricing. So you have full control over what your listing says and how much you charge, right? Um, Also, you'll be able to add a custodian. So if you're not living in Jamaica or any of the, the island that we go to, if you're not living there and you're migrated, or maybe you're just, you know, going away for a month or two, but you want to list your car, you can actually list a custodian who will be in charge of your vehicle while you're away. Right. So that's an option because we know a lot of people migrate and they still have their car. They weren't able to sell it. Mm-hmm. Well, here you can have make some money while you're you're not here. Right. So listing all that information. So once you have everything listed, then you're able to submit it um, so that the admin can review it, which is our team. So we'll go through the documentation just to make sure everything looks good. And the pricing doesn't look too crazy. You know, we don't want you to underprice or overprice. So we'll just look at everything. And once everything looks good, then we'll approve your listing to now be published so that people who are coming down can um, be able to rent it. 
So that's how it works. In terms of compensation and commission, the platform takes 10% from the car owner. So you as a car owner would take home 90% of um of your daily daily rates minus whatever insurance we will come up with at that point. And then the traveler also pays 10% as well on their end. So all in all, we only make 20% um, commission. And that's that, you. that's not to snooze at, <laughs> you know, 20% commission ain't not to snooze at. All right. And, you know, that's basically to run the platform, to do the marketing, because we'll be marketing to people who are coming down, whether it's from the US, the UK, Canada, wherever these travelers are coming from, we'll be marketing to them on your behalf, the car owner. So all of these um, fees would would go into that. I like it. Jay, have you ever used Turo or anything like that? Do you, you see yourself? Flying to Jamaica and and renting a a red Ferrari hitting the highway halfway through. I don't know about a red Ferrari, but um maybe a, a Kia. I'm a more Kia. Kind of. You you are a black Maybach kind of guy. <laughs> a black Kia. A Kia. <laughs> yeah, Kia. Yeah. Funny enough, I actually booked a car to roll this week. I guess just messing around with it too and all that. And yeah, I like the concept. You know, I know um the sentiments you know sherry expressed with regards to taking forever because weirdly enough we had rented a car from a couple of weeks ago we were in in um buffalo so we're trying to come from buffalo down to, to new york i went to go to um niagara falls and all that drama and when we got into buffalo man we spent like three hours as a line in the airport it, it was a pain and we had a booking right it's not like we just up at the airport and say, Hey, you guys have any cars? We actually booked. Then we you did everything. And when you reached the airport, and I was like, Okay, it's, it's three hours. So I know with, with vehicle, I expect with vehicle that you don't have that kind of hassle. You know, it's like, Hey, I'm coming for the car at 10 o'clock, the car will be there at 10 o'clock. Because that it was really a pain. Because now we got in to Buffalo at five o'clock. By the time you see there at three o'clock, it's eight o'clock at night. So you know, you start you run out of time because now you want to go check in your hotel. Freshen up, go go out, get something, I get some drinks, just hang out. So you lost that precious time, and you only there, we only there like overnight, right? So mm-hmm. it's like exactly. a city value. This definitely city value. I think it's excellent. Exactly, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the car because I find that when people rent from the traditional car rental companies, you don't necessarily get to pick which car you oh, no. are going to drive. You, you get, get, get a sedan. <laughs> car is left on the lot right yeah. and sometimes it might not be something that you really want to drive so yeah. just having the opportunity to pick what you yeah. want to drive right this is good you're always just hoping for the best yes you know you never know what you're gonna get it's just like suv okay and you just hope to see what suv you get and, and all that but that's the real thing really was it was frustrating that to me was the biggest thing she experienced that in yeah. Miami as well. Imagine it just it just came off a flight, right? Mm-hmm. Just came off a flight, you just know you know, after a flight, you're cranky. You just want to get where you're going. No, you still spend extra three hours at the airport. Why? And you guys know I was coming at five o'clock. <laughs> imagine doing that with kids. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And now they have to get something to eat and depend on the airport yard. You're, you're waiting for the car. You don't want to leave because if they call your name and you're not there, but you want to go and get some. Food with the kids, and they can never tell you how long you're going to be there for. Okay, just hold a second. 
I'll just hold it on for half an hour, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> that's to me sometimes the worst. That just that element of not knowing, it's just there. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Anyhow. Yeah. 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 So I mean, still on value propositions to an extent. Um, I want to talk about actually communicating that value proposition, right? So you've placed in the top three, I want to say in pitch competitions in Trinidad, in Jamaica, Barbados, and the Bahamas within the past three years. Is that correct? I think in Bahamas, I placed fifth. Oh, okay. All right, no problem. So top five. Next time she had a medal. All right, no problem. So your top five pitch competition in pitch competitions in four Caribbean destinations within the past two to three years. Is that correct? Just one year. Just oh. one year. Kevin. Kevin, you're, you're jumping out yourself, watch you? <laughs> <laughs> one year. Talk us through that though. Talk us through that through that journey. I mean, you probably you probably have had a lot of experience pitching a value all these years, been running the business and attracting all these customers. But talk us through that experience and how you prepare for a pitch competition. Because you, as you see, especially as you know, the world has opened back up. Um, entrepreneurship is on the rise. There's so much liquidity in the venture capital space and the private equity space or whatnot. There's a lot of activity happening in that space, right? A lot of entrepreneurs are looking for capital and it'll be great for them to really understand what is the real formula but not just a cut and paste formula but real formula in terms of tailoring your pitch to your audience and all that so walk us yeah. through your process in doing so but but also why yeah. go to pitch competition so why are you doing it before barbados last october i've never actually pitched anywhere <laughs> just just so you know so okay. i never anywhere before so that was my first pitch competition um that i placed third and I would say for me and what works for me and my formula is telling a story, right? Mm -hmm. So telling the story around why the business exists, not just coming out and giving statistics and numbers and nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear a story. They want to see how passionate you are about solving the problem yeah. that you're solving. And they want to see that you know exactly what you're talking about. So especially when it comes to like the finances, which I'm obviously good at. <laughs> That's my strong obviously. suit. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. So, you know, I'm, if they have questions, I'm ready. Like I'm always ready. And I prepare a lot. I prepare a lot and I practice. And it goes a long way. And I think the more you pitch, the better you'll get. And so for me, I don't shy away from pitch competitions. I'll go anywhere and pitch. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who's in the audience. It doesn't matter what level they're at. I'll pitch to anyone at all at any point Anytime. in time. Ooh, <laughs> yes. I'll pitch you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll pitch anywhere, especially if it comes with money. I'm definitely there. Uh, me too, <laughs> in the streets. But yeah, I would say telling a story, right? So mm. just like how I started out saying how I loved supporting the locals and, you know, I used to rent from them when I would go down and I saw the need and I needed a better way to do this. And this is what I did. And so kind of like, you know, tying in that story before actually getting to getting into the meat and potatoes of the actual problem and the solution and you know the market size and all of that stuff i just tell that story first and mm. so that will grab the audience's attention and they're more glued to hear what you have to say if you start pitching 
and you're giving out statistics like 30 million people travel to the Caribbean, then this is what they you're gonna lose people. Yeah, <laughs> Even though the statistics are right, it, it mm-hmm. very very well be correct, but you have to go about it with telling a story. The reason I go to pitch competitions is again brand awareness, bootstrapping, self-funding. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> self-funding, right? <not> bootstrap. <laughs> <laughs> and so it brings about brand awareness, but it also connects me with people who could potentially help me whether now or down the road, or they may connect me with someone that can help me. You you never know who you're going to meet at pitch competitions. And I've been blessed to like meet a whole lot of people <laughs> that can put me in touch with other people, people who, may, even if I never spoke to them, they may connect with me on Instagram. Cause I don't think I've spoken to Kevin before and Right, we now you added me on IG, and I was like, "Oh yes." We connected on LinkedIn, and Lizzie then Pitch Boss, IG, right? And you know, so it's it's that kind of connection, building that network of like-minded people in your circle that will help to take your business to newer levels. So that's why I go to pitch competitions and um, just networking events in general. Okay, okay, good stuff. All right, I want to talk about business building now. All right. So, I mean, we spoke about the pitch competition. We spoke about how you got self-funded and grant-funded and whatnot. Would you say that you have enough funding to get you to the next stage right now? No, not necessarily. All right. So while I can continue to self-fund, obviously having an investor on board would only speed things up much faster, right? Because self-funding businesses tend to grow at a slower pace than businesses that are funded by, you know, whether angels or VCs or whoever, they they tend to move and grow much, much, much faster. I think for our, for our type of business, we're definitely looking for an investor to come on board to definitely help us to scale faster than continuing to self-fund. Okay. And if you were to get a million dollars from an investor right now, what would you, what would you do? over the next two years over the next two years Mm -hmm. um we'll probably spend quite a bit on marketing because again we are trying to attract the travelers who are coming from the various different um, countries which will be take some marketing dollars to to do that across the across the board and also to convince enough car owners that this platform is Another way in which you can um, add additional income to your bank account. So I would say we'd spend some money on marketing. Uh, we would also build out a team. So currently it's about three three of us kind of working on this, maybe four. So we need to build out a team, right? So that would also take up some funds. Also um, improving the technology because even though we started with an MVP, we still I still think of it as an MVP, just an enhanced MVP. So we'd want to build out something more robust and that can scale as as we go across the island. So that's where the funds would be used. So which countries are you focused on, though? As you said, go across the islands. So to start, we'll be in Jamaica. And then after Jamaica, we would hopefully want to get into Trinidad, Guyana, Barbados, and St. Lucia. And Belize. Don't forget Belize. Yes. So, yes, I like I have a list. Um, in So, as you know, I'm a CPA, so my financial modeling is bottom-up. Wet. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's 
20 tabs. So it's bottom-up financial uh, modeling. So it starts from knowing how many people we're actually targeting. And so that drives the financial model. So we know how many people are in each island and kind of have an idea of how many people are staying in private homes versus people who are staying in hotels. So we're not necessarily targeting the hotel goers, so to say. It's mostly people who are staying in the Airbnbs and, you know, returning residents that we, we're, we're going to be looking to target. Interesting. And you would have looked at tourism stats for Jamaica because I see, of course, it would have dipped during the pandemic significantly, yeah. but it, it looks like it's back on the upswing. Yeah, it's back on the upswing. I, I believe the the T, JTA reported about two million within the first six yeah. months or so. So it's it's definitely it's getting there. It's getting yeah. there. So looking like it might hit three to four million all told by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's growing, right? So tourism before the pandemic, I would say, grows at about maybe four to five percent or so. It's a growing market, and so we think the business is definitely viable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can definitely work, and um, you know, like we said, we hope to become the first unicorn in the region. That's it. That's it. Billion dollar valuation. <laughs> you know, uh, and she'll huh? pitch you anywhere. You know. Billion dollar valuation and she'll pitch you everywhere. She has pitch 20 you anywhere, times. Anytime. Machine. Machine. I love it. Machine. <laughs> how, right. how, do you, how do you hear about pitch competitions? Or like you're in the pitch circuit. You know, like how um, <laughs> Shelly and they, Shelly and them on the, on the circuit. So they know what, what race is coming up. They have a pitch circuit too for, for pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I research, like I said, I plan. So I research pitch competitions. <laughs> I research to see where events are happening and if there's a pitch competition that's happening and, you know, what the requirements are and um, can, you know, I'll do that way. Like the last one I did was the Kingston beta. And even though it was a small prize amount, I saw Ingrid Riley posted on LinkedIn that, you know, the event is coming and you can pitch. And I was like, what? She's getting notification no. anytime somebody says he would pitch. <laughs> she have a uh, uh, Google search. Yeah, yeah. Google alerts. Yeah. I'm definitely pitching. But mm. I feel like with pitch competitions also, like I, I think there was another one in Manchester while I was in Jamaica and <laughs> One of my potential investors, even though he doesn't think so yet, but he's like, I don't think you need to pitch at this one. I, you know, like, I think you are beyond money passing there or not. I don't understand. Like, um, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but I try to go wherever I can to pitch because, like I said, I am still looking for investors, but at the same time, pitch competition allows you to get people to understand what your business is about. Maybe some people in the audience are like, wait a minute, I can make some money doing this too. Because I've I had people actually come up to me and say, so I can list my car on there? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's everything all in one. <laughs> okay. And um, the, on the supplier side, on the on the car side, like, all right. So I don't know. Everybody has a red BMW. Some people like me might have a 2007 Nissan X-Trip. Is there a cutoff? In terms of don't bring your car on my platform, please. <laughs> so the age of the car is really dependent on the insurance company and what they're comfortable with, right? Mm-hmm. So initially we started out with 10 years, even though they're thinking now maybe 10 to 15, because some people do have really good old cars, right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to alienate them. So it's gonna 
be between 10 and 15 years. And as far as the type of car, it can be any kind of car unless the insurance company says, you know what, we're not going to um, insure this type of vehicle because there are vehicles that are like high risk. You know, they're always like stealing those type of vehicles oh, yeah. or whatever cases. They probably won't do those kind of vehicles. But for the most part, it would be majority of the vehicles that exist today. And you know what, Jason, when I when I list my actual any platform, I charge in more because this is a classic. All <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not all kind of it's a classic. All right. You don't get cars like this again. No, my car is a classic. It's extra classic. It's an extra classic. It's actually named classic. I think it's something that is in demand, people value, have, have it in high esteem. Mm-hmm. I think people have your 2007 extra in high esteem. Only you. No, 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 no. And then by the time I'm a mechanic, by the time, time Tony done with that car, man, why pay my rent with that car? Just look out for what you see, Kevin, but you can't come on the platform to know the decline, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll just decline him from the start. He won't even... <laughs> Actually, block you. Can't block out. This thing rigged. <laughs> yeah, we'll block Kevin. <laughs> and is, is your vision to go outside the Caribbean, though? I think... The concept would work really well in developing nations, so like Africa or even Latin America, right? So anywhere where people are constantly like supporting locals, and that's how locals kind of get additional income is through the support of others outside of their country. So I think anywhere that's considered like a developing nation uh, would would work really well. So, but yeah, yeah, that's the vision. I really like how nowadays, like all of the, the developing nations are really partnering up, right? So you see, there's this whole Caribbean and Latin America movement, um, especially being spearheaded by the IDB. You see, there's this Caribbean African uh, movement, yeah, yep. you know, Barbados yep. leading that. So now you talk to somebody from from Ghana or Nigeria, they know Barbados before they know Jamaican Trinidad, you know. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough. I think the fintech conference that 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 was in Barbados too. That was yeah, fintech islands. Yeah, that was big. That was yeah, that you had gone to That's where the first pitch competition that I entered. Okay. Oh, you oh you pitched there. Okay, yeah, I pitched there. Funny enough, you mentioned Caribbean Africa because Kevin Simmons. I don't know if you know Kevin. Who's that um, name? I think we think we're connected on LinkedIn. Yes, he's a yeah, UK Bayesian guy, right? Yeah, he's leading some of that charge with his accelerator program. It's it should be coming out this year. I'm not sure. We think there's a delay, but it's called WeHub Innovation. Mm-hmm. WeHub. So they're actually looking for Caribbean companies that can potentially scale to Africa. So he he approached us as well just to find out more about um Vico. So yeah, it's 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 happening. Interesting. Very interesting. Lots of collaboration. All right. So I mean, so we covered the story. We covered we covered your 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 pitch success. We covered the value proposition. We covered the bit the business building. We we touch a little bit on the expansion outlook when we spoke about what you would do if you're given um a million dollars in investor capital. I think what we want to I want to touch on now is I want to know like what's what's slowing you down. I know you you mentioned figuring out the insurance thing right now, but aside from that, what keeps you up at night? Right now, what do you say is, yeah, is your biggest challenge in terms of really getting to that unicorn status right now? 
think the biggest challenge other than the insurance is really making sure that we have a platform that's user-friendly, right? So it's that, I wonder if people are going to like it. Does, you know, do you think it's going to, is there going to be any hiccups? You have that, (laughs) I have that going through my head. And also, if I don't get investor funding, what do I do to scale at the level that I want to scale at? So that's why I am doing all of these events and, you know, podcasts and just being out there so that people become aware of who vehicle is and what we can do for the economy and, you know, for their, their bank accounts. So it's those things that keep me up at night is, is if I don't get investor funding, what do I do? What do I do? How do I move forward? How do I scale to another island? It's really dependent on how Jamaica does and how well Jamaica goes, right? So if I have 250 car owners who say, you know what, we're coming on board. And then on the traveler side, we have people like signing up like crazy because now word of mouth is spreading about the platform. Then I think I'll be okay if I don't take investor funding. But if that doesn't take place, how do I reach these car owners? How do I convince them to come on board? So, you know, it's it's, it's a balancing act when you have a two-sided marketplace too, right? Yeah. Chicken and egg mentality. You can't have too much cars and no travelers. You can't have too much travelers and no cars. So just thinking about how to execute that um, properly is is something I think about a lot. I feel you. I would say, I mean, I mean that point you brought up on on you know the investor funding side and jay you can let me know what you think about this i don't know i just i found like we've gotten into this into this culture where it's almost like the investors just they like they're literally holding the bag and it's like they hold any powers like all right you know you need to get here well you need our money so you, you must do what we say here's our terms um put us on your board report to us ever so often or what have you you know and i guess i mean i guess that's why you know these these self-funded model has has a lot of value to an extent and i mean this is me thinking here you you have an existing business that you've been running for i think it's about 14 years now if i'm if i'm not mistaken the tax business which i don't know anybody who would not pay somebody just to solve their tax issues because ja. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. so um i think from i mean just from that existing business and we could probably talk about our business a little bit more if you like from that existing business, you could probably invest in, use that proceeds from that business because that business sounds like a cash cow. You could probably use that business to, you know, to invest into hitting your, your milestones for vehicle while vehicle starts to generate its own money um, internally. That's kind of what I've been doing uh, as far as anything that I have to do where vehicle is concerned is just using my own my own money. But I think going forward, yeah, it could become difficult. Um, you know, I, I know I have two kids in college and, you know, I still have to live. There's going to come a time if things aren't moving as fast as I would hope it yeah. would move with being self-funded, then we could run into an issue. But I, I'm i optimistic. I think and I believe that it will take off uh, just based on the feedback that we've gotten at um, an event that we did in April. So we did the Expo Jamaica event where a whole bunch of um, companies came together in like the arena and we set up boots. And I think they had like thousands of people that came through um, for about three days. 
And so for our booth, we had about 450 people who stopped by. And I can tell you, I could have easily have gotten about 200 to 250 car owners that day. That day, they were ready to sign up that day. That gave me hope. <laughs> Maybe it won't be so hard to get the car owners because initially I was thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to convince these car owners to put their vehicle on the platform? It wasn't really hard to convince them over three days. So I'm like, okay, good, good. This is good. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't have to spend as much marketing dollars in Jamaica and kind of focus on raising awareness overseas. So I'm telling you, going to events, it's really, really, really ups everything. Yeah, man, you have to grind. I don't want to say hustle because it's not hustling. But, you know, you have to, you have to grind. You have to hit the pavement. Well, you just said, Kevin, you really have to be an advocate for your idea, right? So you need to be out there. Yeah. Um, pushing the ideas, speaking to people, getting feedback too, because sometimes the feedback helps you to iteration. You definitely need to be speaking to persons. And I also find that sometimes, you know, come back to your point also, Kevin, with regards to financing. I know sometimes I have a different approach. Sometimes I don't go to the finances. So now I let them come to me. You go out there, you grind, you hustle, you build, and People notice, but then people start coming to you. And that's when you sort of have the the leverage. Because when you go to them, they have the leverage, right? They say, as you say, Kevin, well, we, we need a board C, uh, we need this, we need quarterly reports, monthly reports. So you know, you're doing a lot of work for them. Mm-hmm. Because so many things you're doing is good, it's good to know, it's good to do, but it's not things you may have done otherwise. So you spend a lot of time and you know, dealing with them. Versus when they see it, and sometimes it doesn't have to be as successful where you want it to be for people to reach out to you. you know? Sometimes it's the perception, just like how you're grinding, you're out there, people seeing you. They might say, wow, I'm seeing this, this vehicle. It's just, it's just a wrong. Because sometimes mm-hmm. people just need to see something multiple times. That's how like marketing works, right? Mm-hmm. If you see something on radio and on Spotify and see a billboard and you see it on TV and they're like, and then you see a product placement and a movie watching Netflix, all of a sudden, like this thing, it's saying something, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what you really need to be, be doing. It's just, just and a little bit everywhere. And sometimes people think that when they see it a little bit everywhere, you're already there. That's you just yeah. nickel yeah. and diamond. You just nickel and diamond trying to get everywhere. You, you, you're doing deals. You're supposed to say, please, you're begging favors. and But it creates a perception. And then... Before you know it, that million dollar investment is up point one percent of the company. Yeah, and and people chasing it down to give it that million. Yep. Yeah, see, and I think that's the best thing. Like in terms of, and I think you're on your way there too, right? In terms of generating the demand think- till the point where you're you're oversubscribed in terms of investor appetite. You have investors fighting to to come and invest in your company and then you control it. Say, well, how much you how much you want to bring for for what 10%? No. Oh, no, no, you ain't serious. You're joking. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you bring to the table? <laughs> yeah, what do you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me, let me see your stats. Let me see your numbers. <laughs> I think the investor appetite is there. I just think that because the insurance has not been finalized as yet, that is, is little. one of the holdups because I've had people say, you know, okay, once insurance is done reach back out to me. The insurance is definitely a huge part of um, the platform and we just need to get that right. There's one group of people I know it's insurance agents. So insurance agents who are listening to this, 
you this is a golden opportunity right here you read you already heard the character of the person the person herself is one of the biggest intangible assets of this company because of because of her drive her ability to win and a willingness to win at all costs and yeah do not miss out on this opportunity you you want to be that insurance partner not that i'm soliciting anything no disclaimer you do your own <laughs> due diligence <laughs> don't sue me all right <laughs> i love it i love it no this is this is really good i really I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this business i, I don't know if um I'm getting ready to wrap. I don't know if you have any other questions, Jay. It's just interesting yeah. that is it that you always had this entrepreneurial drive? So yes, you've done your financial, your accounting business, right? And that's different because that is a skill set you had. You were you were already in that space. So you're just leveraging your knowledge, your abilities, and just you know doing something inside and it grew, right? Um, but this is a whole different space. This is outside your wheel well. It's 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 a tech play. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a tech slash automotive type play. It's a marketplace also, right? Mm-hmm. A two-sided marketplace. Like what drove you to this, to, to, to take this risk, this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I, I would say I've always had that bossy mentality <laughs> in a good way. Um, from early on, <laughs> I, I knew that I always wanted to work for myself. Right. Yeah, so um, I think that's why I initially started my own company um, back in 2009 is because I know eventually I was going to work for myself and this is what I wanted to do, right? So it's just a small business. And I would say my business is, it's more of a lifestyle business. It's not something I want to like, okay, I'm going to become a billion dollar company doing this tax thing. It's not that type of business. It's a lifestyle business. I work really hard three months out of the year and the rest mm-hmm. of the year I get to spend with well, my kids, right? It'll have to be a lifestyle business for you to be at the islands pitching every other week, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I make my own schedule and I love that. I really love that flexibility of um just working for yourself. So that kind of drove me to start my own business. But like you said, this is a completely different beast. Small business is very much different from from entrepreneurship, I would think. Because with entrepreneurship, you're more so creating ideas and coming up with new innovative products and services. Whereas small business maybe like you know from existing ideas. You're not really coming up with new things, right? So this is this is very different, but at the same time, I have that entrepreneurial mindset of being a go-getter. I'm, I'm very resilient. <laughs> Yeah. And trust me, if you knock me down tomorrow, by the time to, to this evening come, I'm I'm back up, right? I'm very self-motivated. Like, I don't let anything deter me from my goals. I don't, it's just, I'm different. I, I don't know how to describe it. You built different. <laughs> I'm, I'm different. And having kids also gives you another set of skills that's, Others don't have, right? So I, I'm I'm patient. I've been dealing with this insurance company for over two years. Um, understanding, I have empathy. Like I know how to deal with people, deal with customers, deal with clients. I know how to speak to them. Um, have that nurturing mentality, you know. So it's it's really a lot of things that um I think that's helping me on this journey, being able to take this business to the next level. So you had any other entrepreneur? pursuits besides you know the finance business and this that you used to sell 
snacks at, at in college or you know you have a little snack drawer at the office so people know they could come to you you know like anything else I rent out event spaces also. I do. Well, well, thanks. You keep <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Airbnb for, for rent. You rented out what? What did you rent out? Yeah. I rent event spaces in New Jersey. I also had an Airbnb in Jamaica. Like, mm-hmm. I don't sit back. Every day I'm hustling. I, I, I am that hustler, <laughs> so to say. How has the journey been with vehicles so far? Has it just been smooth sailing? You know, because we have entrepreneurs or, or budding entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and they'll be like, you know, they're looking for inspiration and they'll be, they look at you and they say, well, you have it made. You just decide you have this idea of vehicle and you just come up with the concept and you build it and you put it to market and people run you down to put their car. It's like smooth sailing, right? It's been smooth sailing from day one. No, it has not been smooth sailing from day one. Um, <laughs> so when I when I first came up with the MVP, I was actually working with a company in India, and oh my gosh, it was my worst nightmare. The developers, or as in yes, 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 that was my worst nightmare. Um, nothing worked one hundred percent perfect. I was having sleepless nights. I would literally get like four hours sleep on a daily basis. It's tiring. Entrepreneurship, it's tiring. It's not for the faint of heart. Let me just say that. It's if you know, if you're looking for a nine to five in entrepreneurship, don't even bother. It's not a nine to five. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Uh, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the work. I can't even say that enough comes with the job. So nothing went smooth. Like I said, we started two weeks before the pandemic. I was depressed. <laughs> I was depressed a little bit. Nothing was going right. One of the things that I regretted doing, that I said, you know what, we're not going to do it that way again. When we first came out, nobody knew who we were, right? So I didn't do like, I wasn't going to even, I didn't do anything. It was like, Nobody knew about us. And then one day, February 27th, peer-to-peer, rent your ride, come on board. It's, you know, so I was like, who are you? You're in stealth mode. Nothing wrong with that. Jason loves stealth mode. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like stealth mode. <laughs> was like, you know, who are you? You live in America. Okay. Starting something in Jamaica. Okay. I'm sorry. Who are you again? <laughs> So I said, okay, all right, fine. So I said, you know what? When we rebrand, we're not, we're not going out there. So we're putting ourselves out there. We're getting out there. We want people to know about us before we relaunch. You know, like by the time we relaunch, everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, man, I know Vika. You know, yeah. I know who Vika is. You man should be promoting this for a long time. So now the buzz is now there. Sure, just shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> <laughs> So now, yeah. now, you know, we have the buzz out there and people are actually looking forward for us to relaunch, right? So I know that when we do relaunch now, I have people messaging me now on a daily basis. Like, when is the platform going up? I have two cars to put on there. Like, let me know. So that type of buzz is now there. Whereas before it was like, who exactly are you guys? So I would say build up momentum around your startup right so don't just come out and be like yeah hey hi we're here we're, we're launching but build up the momentum whether it is to go out and um, do like a survey or you know or start attending events and just pre- start to raise brand awareness but definitely build up some momentum before you actually launch 
is one thing I would add. I would say one of the traits you need to have is resilience. I, I, let me tell you, if you're not the type of person that will get right back up if, if you're thrown down to the ground, entrepreneurship is going to be really hard for you. When you think about startups, we know that most startups fail. Like the statistics are there, right? Most startups fail. Um, failure is just, it's, it's inherent in starting a startup. So you have to be able to know that, okay, I might fail. I might fail, but so what? So what if you fail? Most successful entrepreneurs fail like 10 times before they were successful. So you really have to be resilient uh, when it comes to a business like this. I would say that's one of the traits that, you know, is really important. What aspects of the business have you been involved in? And what aspects have you not been involved in? I have been involved with every single aspect. Um, so there's not some part that you said, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't want to know. I'm just going to hire somebody. They're going to oversee that. Not when you're first starting out. I would say when you're first starting out as the owner, you play a lot of heads, <laughs> right? So, so yeah. what are some of these areas then? Like, like, okay, because you might have what? You might have working with the developers, working with the marketing team, yeah. working with the design so I, team. I work very closely with the developer. So yeah. when the platform comes out, pretty much I drive everything except the coding part. Right. So how it looks, how it feels, how it's supposed to operate, the features that are in the platform, what we need to put, all of that's um, a part of. The developer codes it and, you know, we have a discussion on, on that. I would say probably the marketing part, I probably, I want to say that one I am less involved in, even though I still have kind of like the, you know, the final say, but I'm less involved in that aspect. Reason being is I'm not a creative person. Um, I'm not creative at all. As they would say, I'm very left, left brain. <laughs> so I'm not creative at all. So my sister, she is the creative person. So she is the brand strategist. So she came up with all the branding information. She did like the brand research. So we actually researched our target market down to the T. Like we know what they like, what they don't like, what sports they like. Like we have all so that. You put their persona, the persona, you create a persona. All the persona, exactly. So we know the exact persona of who we're targeting, right? So she did all of that research, um, all of that research. And once we're done with that research, that's when we actually came up with the colors because now we know what colors to come up with. We know what type of logo we should come up with. And then the name came after that, right? So everything was done um, as collaborative effort, but she handled most of that aspect. I'm very involved in the customer support side. Um, I drew up all of that. So our care zone, carezone.vico.com is actually live and um, individuals can actually go onto that website and learn a lot more about what vehicle is, how it's, how it's going to work, a lot of information that I did single-handedly and um, kind of building out um, the back end of the customer support platform as well. So with entrepreneurship, you can't just get some money and then hire people and just throw the money at them and be successful. Are you going to be my investor? Of course. Of course, if I get the money, I I can, like um, Kevin asked me, what would I do with a million dollars, right? So that was one of the things I mentioned is that to build out a team, but 
I'm self-funded, so you tend to typically do a lot more when you're self-funded. Mm-hmm. You take on a lot more tasks when you're self-funded and you're you're kind of overseeing everything. And I, obviously, I oversee the financial aspect of it as right. well. So that's part of it. And the operational aspect. So I'm the one who is in the meeting rooms with the insurance company, negotiating with the insurance company. You know, so I'm whether it's the CEO of the insurance company that I'm speaking with or his representative, I am the face of um of that meeting. So I'm in the trenches. And obviously, when I go out to pitch, who is pitching? I am pitching. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the story. Um, no one's gonna tell the story better than I can. Nice. So I'm out there pitching, and I'm also actually on the ground in neighborhoods like yes i go to neighborhoods i support organizations <laughs> so i am physically on the ground in jamaica meeting with potential car owners and explaining to them how the platform is going to work how the concept is going to work because one of the things i believe that helps the startups is building a relationship with the people who are going to be on your platform right so for me, that's important. And um, it's something I already do in, in my small businesses. I have to talk to a lot of people. So you have to know how to talk to people and how to get them to understand how things are going to work and, you know, what's in it for them and, you know, kind of all of that. So, so I'm I'm doing a lot, um, but I think the reward in the end is is great. And so that's the only thing I'm looking forward to. Excellent. I mean, that, and that's the best way. You know, I'm just thinking about, you know, again, the budding entrepreneurs who are listening to understand hey, what is involved. This is not just get some money, hire some people, and then sit back and, and look. You know, you really have to be, you know, as they say, the eye of the farmer fattens the cow. So if you're not there tending to your, to your farm, tending to your flock, you're not going to have success. So, yeah. yeah. And just to, just to add on top of that, too, for for people who have children, because um, at the end of the day, I am actually, as many people may try to now figure out, like, how the hell do you do it? <laughs> I'm very involved with my kids, um, very involved <laughs> with my kids. And I would say surround yourself with a support system, because at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to really do it all, right? Yeah. So you have to have that support system around you. I'm so grateful for my husband and, you know, I have grown kids, so they're very, very helpful. And they also understand the mission the mission and the vision and, you know, very supportive of, of me as well. So definitely have a good support system. I'm sure they all want to be part of a billion dollars, so you're going to get any support. <laughs> <laughs> Was it your back of being part of a billion dollars, right, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going on your website to see if there's any vacancies right after this course finish. <laughs> Jason wanna be your Trinidad partner. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> I gotta send an email, <laughs> you know, to, to, to run the Trinidad operations. <laughs> the, the red, the red, white, and black side of the at vehicle look <laughs> brighter than that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> no, man, this is this has been really inspirational. Inspirational. I really think from everything I'm hearing, it, it sounds like you are a strong representation of black excellence. You know, you are you're looking after your country you came from, you're looking after your community, while looking after your family, you're providing value for so many people. And I mean you're also looking to provide a lot of return for investors or whatnot. You know, I really I really, really admire and respect what you're doing. And um, I also might reach out to you for um, 
to help me file my taxes when I'm when when I incorporate <laughs> in the US. You know, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Jason, I really thought she brought the value to the value. <laughs> to <laughs> the value. <laughs> Uh, before we wrap i want to know if there's anything anything that you 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 want to leave the audience with that you feel like we did not cover today or we did not touch on today giving you open mic open forum open platform just to continue off of how entrepreneurs can maneuver the startup world i would say have a curious mindset um always be willing to learn, right? You don't know everything, <laughs> right? You don't know everything. So always be willing to learn. And one of the ways I continue to learn is by reading books, mm-hmm. right? So if, if there's something I don't really understand and I really want to learn more about, I find a book to read. So I would say always be willing to learn. Um, that's one thing. One more thing is Never let someone tell you that you cannot do what you set out to do. I think for me, and I'm lucky, I would say, is that most of the people around me are very supportive and they, you know, they know that I'm, you know, I'm a go-getter and I'm telling you, if I say I'm going to do it, (laughs) I'm going to do it. But I know others may not have that positive support system around them. And you might have people that say, no, you shouldn't do that or no, this is not going to work. Never let anyone take you away from your dreams. It's, it, you know, follow follow your dreams, follow your mindset. As, and as once you've done the research and you have gotten enough feedback from, you know, if you did an MVP or whatever that is, follow your mind. Don't let anyone take you away from your dreams. Um, What else? I'm trying to draw for straws now. <laughs> I feel like I've said so much stuff. Um, I, I think you give us a lot, give us a lot of information. Right? I think this is a masterclass. In, yeah, you know, in, in, I, I'm taking notes. I no, listen. I'm, I'm taking notes. That's actually right. I look, I look at I'm in school here. No? <laughs> I know I'm in school. It definitely has been a masterclass. Yeah, where can we find you, Sherry? So I am on LinkedIn, um, Cherie A. Williams on LinkedIn. Oh, Cherie, and I seen Cherie all day. All right. <laughs> That's okay. Nobody gets it right, really, right? It's spelled differently, but no, it's more like French, Cherie, you know, more ah, Cherie. More right. Cherie, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram. So my Instagram, I try to make it um, as educational as possible. Because I feel like that's somewhere where I can add some value. So I try to, you know, give a little, you know, Kevin, I try to put out stuff that would be helpful to the entrepreneurial community as well as some, you know, personal stuff <laughs> as well. But mm-hmm. definitely follow me on Instagram if you want some tips and tricks. Oh, you Don't find me on Instagram? C-H-E-R. Oh, Instagram, it's I am Cherie Williams. I am C-H-E-R-I-E. Okay, I found you. Yes, I am a Cherie Hello. So if you check out my story, Kevin, you'll see, you know, I'm going on a podcast. Oh, oh you did all of that? <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Oh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> vibes. Vibes. Okay. Vibes. Okay, and lovely. I'm, in general, I'm a fun person. I'm not, I'm not stuck up. I'm very down to earth. Um, I can rap with anyone at mm. any level. I know how to take it down a notch and I know how to bring it up a notch. Um, so you can find me there. Also, our our vehicle, right? So vehicle is also on 
LinkedIn as Vico, and we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as um, Just Vehicle, J-U-S-T-V-E-E-K-L-E. So you Just can find people. us there as well. Vibes. Where are we finding you, Jason, if you could find you? <laughs> Jason is secretive. Jason Paul Valley. <laughs> Just try look for me. You might find me. Boom. <laughs> Podcast World, there you have it. Purposely Driven with Sheree A. Williams. Subscribe to The Value at thevalue.show slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to or watch your podcast. And with that, Podcast World, Cabin Studios, Jason. We're out. <laughs> Boom. Well, thanks a lot. See you all guys next time.